This is The Bottom Line, a show designed to help Australian businesses succeed. On the show, you'll hear from leading Australian business owners as they share the lessons they've learned building their companies. You'll learn from their successes as well as some of the challenges they faced along the way. We also talk to experts from a range of fields who share specialised techniques you can use to improve your business. I'm your host, Savan Chuna, and I'm a director at Alexander Spencer, and I'm really passionate about helping Australian businesses succeed. Imagine a crowded marketplace where businesses vie for the fleeting gaze of consumers. How do you establish your presence and communicate your value? Social media platforms, blogs, and podcasts act as mediums for business owners to showcase their stories. Every post, tweet, and episode contribute to shaping personal brand. Today, business owners are transforming from being just a seller into a thought leader, a trusted advisor, and an expert. In this digital world, where online stores are plenty and algorithms determine visibility, what personal branding steps can you take to transform your business? In today's episode of The Bottom Line, we have Andrew Ford, the founder and CEO of Social Star, a marketing agency that assists small businesses with their digital marketing activities. Andrew sheds light on the significance of personal branding in the digital marketing space. You'll learn how a strong personal brand sets businesses apart. Examine hurdles in merging personal branding with digital marketing and uncover top methods for leveraging social media to strengthen your personal brand. Let's dive in. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me on The Bottom Line today. Thanks for having me, Savan. I'm very excited. We've, we've talked a fair bit. We've only known each other for a short period of time, but we've hit it off and we see a lot of things in a similar way. So I'm really excited to talk about all sorts of things today, mainly marketing, branding, and the things that you've done in your journey. But for those that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So my name's Andrew Ford. I run a couple of businesses. The main one's called Social Star, which have been running for over a decade that focuses really on personal branding. That's our major focus, but we do marketing overall for mainly professional services companies. In terms of your business social star, you've had that for 10 years, but go back. You've got a few businesses. You've gone in and out of that. Tell us about your journey to eventually marketing. Yeah, it's an interesting story. I started out working at my family business and for my grandparents, I'm the youngest of five grandchildren and I desperately wanted to run the business. That was my objective. And I worked there for eight years when I left high school, unplanned. I just drifted into the business and just stayed there because I love working with my grandparents. And it was a very small business. One key thing stands out to me is when my grandfather pushed me out the door to do selling. I was 21. I looked about 14, had no sales experience, no training. And he just said, go get clients. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. So I walked into my first reception. This is in the northern suburbs of Melbourne, like Thomastown. I walk into some factory and talk to the receptionist, go, hi, I'm Andrew. (laughs) Would you like to buy some stationery? It was very embarrassing. And I did it twice. And I never told him that I never went back. But what I did is I had some allocated accounts and I just serviced them like you wouldn't believe. So Doris, the receptionist, would look forward to seeing me because I'd talk to her about her life for half an hour, show interest. I was curious, asked questions. 
had no context for a marriage and marital problems and children, but I listened. And then at the very end, I'd say, oh, would you like anything? She'd go, oh, yeah, I need all this stuff. And she'd give me a list. And so no one listened to Doris. No one gave her respect or attention, but I did. And then if Doris needed something and I had to buy a box of 100 to give her one or drive across Melbourne to do that one thing that was for her CEO, I'd do that. And because I went the extra mile, she would refer me to her friends. If she left and went somewhere else, I'd get that business. I'd keep this business. And I found that I had the fastest growing territory amongst all of the sales reps we had. So a key lesson in that is don't sell help. And I've taken that through my whole career. And then my grandmother actually said I should get some new experience in a bigger company. And so I went off and applied for a job and ended up at Hewlett Packard, which is HP. At the time was the Apple of IT companies, best company in the world to work for. They sold more computers than anywhere else in the world. It was huge. It was a great organization. So I went from 20 people to 2,000 people in just my office, 50,000 people worldwide. And I relished it. I moved diagonally and ended up 10 years later running software, you know, marketing for Asia Pacific and had a really exciting career working in technology and, and moved from sales to marketing during that time. And that was really the foundation for my corporate career and learning not just small business, but how to work with big businesses. And then what happened is I got retrenched from actually HP, which was the best thing ever happened because I paid off my house. And, <laughs> and, and it's the, probably the one of the benefits of having a good corporate job, I yeah, reckon. Yeah. Well, what that happened is they went through a merger with Compaq, which was a disaster and the whole company fell apart basically and they just got rid of all the well-paid people. But I had a job like the next day and, and had a really good consulting career. But then I went back into, and worked for a company called Census, which was Telstra's marketing division. And just at the right time. It was just when digital social media was really cracking on. I built websites. I did social media campaigns. I started off in MySpace. Oh, yes. That was I my first a, I campaign. I had a MySpace. Yeah. Actually, my cousin actually set one up for me. I'd have to. Oh, it's probably still there. Is it still? I was going to ask. That was my question. Is <laughs> yeah. it going to be? I'm going to have to look it up. I find this stuff all the time with my clients. <laughs> I dig deep and I go, oh, I remember this. Yeah. And uh, and so I, I did that for about five years and we were there to turn print to digital. So they were yellow pages a $2 billion company, believe it or not, high profitability. And I was there to help flip it, part of the team to flip it to digital. I ended up with 10 divisions, creating websites and doing SEO and SEM and all digital stuff. We created apps. So it was a really good transition for me from technology into social media and digital. And then I got poached to go to IBM and a few other companies. But I always liked this idea of having my own business. My family business had folded at that stage didn't have that to go back to. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And I decided that personal branding was my thing. And the reason I decided that is I was running a party. We did really cool stuff at Census. So I was running a party to launch a DJ, believe it or not. This was part of my life. And this young kid comes up to me and goes, Andrew, you know all this stuff about digital? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. And, and he said, when you Google my name, all of this bad stuff comes up. Okay. Is there anything you could do about that? And he was quite a famous person at the time. His dad was a famous politician. And I'm like, yeah, I could probably do something. And so I worked with him to help rectify what was happening for free. And then he was my first account. And then someone else heard about it. And then someone else heard about it. And I was away. So I ran that part-time for several years until then I decided to take it full-time. And that's Social Star. So, and you've ran it for 10 years. So I love that story. Let's get into what is personal branding. You sort of touched on it with that example. Can you tell listeners that haven't heard the term personal branding what it actually is? 
I'll tell you what it isn't, and it's not self-promotion. And it done well, it shouldn't feel like that. It shouldn't feel icky because a lot of the corporate people we work with, I work with founders, CEOs, you know, high profile people, lawyers, doctors, accountants, and they're professionals and they don't want to be perceived as unprofessional online. And so we make sure that whatever we do is suitable to their personality, their stature, and also for their community. And so what personal branding really is done well, in my opinion, is the advice you would normally give to your clients, friends, associates, I'm sure they ask questions because these are knowledge professionals, we package it up and we put it out there to help general people. Now, it's not specific advice because you can't give that, but it's general advice and principles, the things people write books on, the things people like you do a podcast. And so what we do is we package it up in a way that's very palatable for that particular person and for that industry. Why is personal branding crucial in the context of digital marketing today? I really started in personal branding 15 years ago when it first started. And at that time, the compelling event was the iPhone. Because as soon as you could pick up a phone and look anybody up before a meeting, then it became important of what people can see about you online. And you can control that through different mechanisms we use. Fast forward to now, people think, oh, well, is it really as important? Now, the focus has changed. And I want to take you through a a principle that's really kind of important in the business. And this is the three brand model. So there's three brands in any business. There's people, there's the company, and then there's products. And people think about that in terms of physical products. So you, you might have someone like Steve Jobs, you know, you've got Apple and you've got iPhone, and that's a pretty obvious one. You've got Elon Musk, you've got Tesla, you've got the Model Y. And so you can physically look at all of those different things or, or digitally look at those. I can drive a car, I can go into a showroom, and I can listen to, you know, Elon Musk talking on stage. Now, for knowledge professionals, we don't have tangible products. You know, you might do a service, so you're an accountant, you might give someone tax advice or business advice. So there's a product, but it's very esoteric. It's very hard to measure. And so what happens is the company becomes important, but if you're a small business, it's very hard to stand out amongst the big four and the top tier. So then what happens is most referrals actually go to the person. So, you know, I've dealt with you, I would recommend you to my friends, but I'd recommend you by your name. Therefore, with knowledge professionals, their personal brand is actually a bigger part of the marketing mix than they actually understand. And they don't really control it. And they don't understand how many referrals they lose because someone looks them up, can't find them, looks at their brand, it's out of date, it doesn't even say that they work at the right company, and they drift off and they go find somebody else. And if you think about the generational divide, most senior professionals are in the older age bracket. They're over 40. Those people tended to miss the digital revolution I talked about. And so they're a bit laggards and they haven't really thought about this as part of the mix and they don't want to do it. But the younger generation, the 20 to 40 year olds, they're on this. This is just natural. They grew up with this sort of thing and they are streaming ahead and they're going to take all your clients. And I've seen this happen time and time again. You either get with a program or you're going to leave the program. So I assess their brand, I give them recommendations, and then we go, what's the importance of your brand compared to your company and your products in your marketing mix? And then we go about and re-rectify that. So you talked about the three parts, people, the organization, and then the product that you sell. Can you get one part really right and have the other two not so well? I think it sounds like you'd have to have all three relatively going well. But of the three, let's say you are a six out of 10 on all three, 
Which one moves the needle in a professional environment, SME space? Is it the personal brand? Which one would you spend money on the first, on the most? We do an assessment first to look at the company and where they are and then how they do their marketing because it depends. Most professional services companies don't productize their service offering. And that's a mistake and that's something I I work on a lot. In fact, I just met with a client yesterday who's in financial advice and he's a solopreneur. He's got him and, you know, one assistant. His company, no one's, you know, heard of really. And he's got a product and he's sort of tried to brand it, but he hasn't had professional support. So, and I said to him, that's your golden egg because he's got a really robust solution. It's very specific target market. And if he got that well-branded, It's something that can be positioned in the market and then they would look at the company and then they would look at him. All three are always going to be important, but what is the priority depends on the company and the situation. Now, if you're a very small business and you haven't been around long, your company doesn't mean anything. It hasn't serviced many people. It doesn't recommend recommendations, doesn't have, you know, the lengths of service. Once you've done about a hundred customers and you've got some testimonials, then your company starts to rise in prominence. But when you first start, it's just you. I mean, there isn't anything. It's just your credibility in the space. So what we generally do for a startup, it's personal brand first and then company and product. If you're in a product space, the product can be as equally important, but then you go back to the company and then you go to the person. So I actually work with a product manufacturer and the product was the first thing and then the company. And now we're working on her brand as an entrepreneur and it's accelerating everything. But because it's a product-based company, it's a physical product, the product was first. So it really depends. Do you believe that all businesses require a face to the brand or is it only when it's required and depending on the product or thing you sell? Because I never would have thought Elon Musk being the face of Tesla would work because who's the face of Porsche? To a degree, you could talk about there were faces of Porsche when the Porsche family invented the Porsche, but that's kind of now no one's taken on that thing in terms of the face of Porsche. So what would you say is important around that being a face to a brand? It depends. So if you think about great products, if they're really remarkable products, you'll buy them. They'll beat the market and you'll buy them. Porsche is an amazing product. It's actually got an amazing buying experience, which means the company is good as well. And they don't really have the face. So they've got two out of three. Now, that's a great company. But which company is valued more by their stock market value, Tesla or Porsche? And the answer is Tesla. Now, why? Why is that? I mean, they make electric cars, so what? So does Toyota. They've been doing that for 20 years. What's the difference between Tesla and Porsche? Porsche is probably a better car, right? So think about this. What I say to people is personal brand and the mission that somebody is on is the difference in profit, not revenue. It's profit. Brands that can elevate themselves and distinguish themselves more than just a product or just a company have the most profit. Apple, Tesla, Amazon, Google, Virgin even, all are brands that have that. Now, you could say that luxury brands like Louis Vuitton and so forth do have that as well, but they've mastered that and they still have people at the helm who... Yeah, um, I was talking to my wife. She mentioned that she's this particular person became the face. It could be Chanel, I think. I can't remember. It was one of those luxury brands. And and she talked about that she's the one that sort of, you know, was the original designer or whatever it was. And she's still at the London and New York fashion shows and shows her face as the brand ambassador and, and so on. So 
it's a really good way of looking at it because in our business and our conversations in the past have been, Andrew, you need to help me grow my business where the partners and the owners are not the ones that are blocking the sales in the sense that we can only sell so much and there's five partners in my practice. How do we scale growth where it's not dependent on the five people? And then you said, you've got to do personal branding. I'm like, hold on, Andrew, what do you mean? That's not the answer. I don't want to promote myself more. That's, it. That's not the answer <laughs> I want. But, <laughs> but I, I now get it because Elon Musk isn't the one that's manufacturing every single product. And by building the personal brand, productizing and getting the corporate part right, when people come to me, for me or for my other business partners that have created the personal brand, doesn't the client in our industry where it's lawyers, doctors, want the partner, want the person that's, you know, on the videos and in the articles to be the one advising them? How do you go through that? Let me answer it in a super practical way because sometimes people think personal branding is a bit esoteric. I have a particular sales model that I work with my clients on because we use personal branding to grow business. We're not doing this airy-fairy, you know, just nice to have. This is about business growth and profitability particularly. So think about a sales cycle that goes from cold, warm, hot sale awareness, interest, desire, action, you know, whatever sales model you want, but we use the cold to hot. So at the cold level, when someone doesn't know you at all, do they want to buy your product? And the answer is no, because they don't know your product. And they're probably not even in the market for your product right now. Do they want to engage with your company on your company LinkedIn profile or website? No, because they have no need to. However, if you're talking about, oh, we can help grow your business over 10 years and then do an exit at some time to give you life-changing wealth for you and your family, do you think business owners might prick up their ears about that? And they'd be like, oh, never thought about that. That's really interesting. Maybe I'll listen to this guy's podcast or maybe I'll investigate and read his blogs or read his book or whatever it is. So what you're doing is you're capturing a client in the earliest stages of a product life cycle or a sales cycle when they're not even aware they have a need because people will follow you if you're interesting, even if you're not going to buy the product. So I followed Elon Musk. I've been talking about him in my presentations for years. I only bought a Tesla about three months ago. So I didn't buy the product. I didn't have the product, but I was interested in the person and the vision and the mission that he was on about saving the planet. That's what caught my attention, a bigger mission. And it's not about a tactical sale because if it's just about the product, I can just find the next best product. But if I'm in the vision and I agree with it, then I'll come on the journey for whatever he builds, whether it's cars, solar panel roofs, you might do scooters, one, I don't know. And so what happens is people bought into the vision of, say, Steve Jobs, that the crazy people can change the world and we provide the tools to do that. Then they followed Apple and then they just bought whatever Apple had and they're in the ecosystem. As you can see, it takes effort and long-term brand building in order to get to that level but even small businesses can do that. Carmen's Muesli's done that. You know, there's a lot of small businesses who have gone from one individual promoting a mission of healthier living, of doing things better, saving the planet, whatever it may be. And if, thank you, Water's done it. There's lots of examples how they've used their brand first, attracted a massive following, and then their company has developed products to suit that market. What normal people do is they develop a product and try and sell it. And then they've got a discount when did you get a discount on the last iPhone? When did you get a discount on a Tesla? Never, right? No. Never. Because they've built this ecosystem. So has people like Louis Vuitton. They've developed their product so well, but it's not a product. If you were just after a handbag to hold your stuff, you wouldn't pay five to $10,000. I want to go into 
how you then go through personal branding. So there's obviously changes happening in that social media space. We had Camille Moore on recently, uh, Third Eye Insights, uh, an amazing social media consultant out of Canada who's got just done amazing things on TikTok recently and she talked about social media. How do you see social media and personal branding being align and is that the tool that you use to get it out there? Yeah, really good question. I just wanted to add one more thing before I answer that question is that just because you're the founder, you don't have to be the face of the brand. It's people, not a person. So it could be your whole team and this has been happening for years. They used to get celebrity ambassadors for certain products. So, you know, you have a George Clooney promoting coffee, right? So he's a brand ambassador as the face of the brand, not the CEO. So it doesn't have to be you, but it's far cheaper to have people in the organization than it is to hire celebrities who then, like they charge you a lot, but also they then go and promote a different product. So for service-based business, we find it's best for the team to be promoted. For product-based businesses, you can do other things and get sponsorship. That's one thing. In terms of social media, the thing that I talk about the most is what is the thing you're going to talk about? What is the target market who you work with, who you love working with, and you want to help? What is the best advice you could give them? And what is it that they need that they don't even know they need? So we create content first. So that what you say, the words, the video, the context of what you say is far more important than the vehicle of which you transmit it to them. Marketing is very simple. I've got something that can help a customer. A customer has a need and they want help. Then how do I get the message to them? Everyone thinks it's social media, but it doesn't have to be. A podcast is a great thing. You know, there's a video, but where do you put the video? There's a million ways to put video. We use LinkedIn primarily because we deal with business professionals. We don't do TikTok. It's not suitable for our particular market. We do do it for our product customer because it's suitable for them, but it's not suitable for other people. So you've got to think about where your target market hangs out and where they would like to get the message. Now, there's different levels. When they don't know you in the cold zone, they're not going to be on your website. They're not going to be on your LinkedIn or your social media. So you do need to go to broadcast outside mediums. So for instance, for you, Savan, if you wanted to get your message out to a target customer who doesn't know you, your podcast isn't it because they don't know to get to your podcast. So you could be a guest on other people's podcasts or you can do advertising, paid, or you can do social media that's so good that people will share it to other people. We believe that referrals are by far the best business. It's the most profitable. It's the nicest way to relate. People love to refer people, but only when they're remarkable and only when they feel they're authentically trying to help people. And if you do that and you go on the mission, you really dig deep and go, what do I want to do in my business? It's not just about money. Money is an important aspect. It's about helping people. At the end of the day, I only work with people who want to help people because that's what I'm marketing. That passion, that authenticity, that desire to help a particular consumer. And when you express it in a really meaningful way, you don't have to market. You don't have to push. They come to you because all you're doing is sharing something really cool. The last part I wanted to talk about was productization. You mentioned it a little bit around people, organization, product. And us being in the service industry, sometimes we struggle to productize what we do. Can you take us through the journey of productizing services and how you offer that and what your thoughts are on that and why that is really important in scaling or growing a service-based business? Yeah, it's really important because if you've got a product out in the market, if you're an accountant and your offering is tax, then that's the same as every other accountant saying it's the same keywords if you're going to do marketing. It's the same 
search results. The same thing on the website. It's, it's not it's not remarkable, right? And marketing is about being remarkable. So what we try and do is we productize it up for a certain target segment. You can have many products, but what really works well is this product, if I told that target customer about it, they'd go, wow, that sounds cool, right? So, you know, this financial advisor, you know, just as an example, what he wanted to do is provide a service for a particular consumer, which was a business owner who turns over $5 million in revenue, who has kids who are at high school and wants to educate his children about financial literacy so that when he retires in 10 years, he can pass down his assets to his kids and they're not going to blow it. How niche is that? So what we're doing, we're branding it up with a name, with a web page, with a brochure, so specific so that if someone is that desired target customer, they're like, wow, that's exactly what I want. I didn't even know what I wanted, but now I want one. Then when they want it, they're not so price sensitive. They're not like, well, I'll go buy five people off this. No one offers this, right? So we make them hyper niche for your particular target segments. Now, if you've got a different target segment, which he did, we're going to create a different product for that customer because it's very different, different needs and different outcomes. And we find when we do that, you stand out because virtually no professional services companies does this. But it's a really important way for you to communicate your value and who you care about to that people and provide educational offerings around it. We could go on for hours and hours and I think I'm going to turn the mic off and we're going to go for lunch and maybe go for hours. But um, Andrew, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with our listeners. I've thoroughly enjoyed the chat and I always do. I want to say thank you again and good luck with Social Star. We're going to do some work together so I'm excited for that and I look forward to seeing what Social Star can do for Alexander Spencer in the bottom line. Thanks for having me. This is The Bottom Line, a show designed to help Australian businesses succeed. This podcast was produced by accountancy firm Alexander Spencer. At Alexander Spencer, we've been helping business owners realise their goals since 1952. And we play a pivotal role in developing, implementing and supervising the business goals and strategies of our clients. To find out how we can help your business succeed, head to our website, alexanderspencer.com.au. To make sure you don't miss an episode of The Bottom Line, be sure to subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find the show. I'm Savan Tuna, and we'll be back next episode with more tips to help you transform your business. And that's The Bottom Line.